Let's pray as we get started this morning. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We love you. Oh, Lord, our desire is to just sit at your feet. Our desire is to absorb everything that you desire us to absorb from you. Not from anything else, but you. You, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of the armies, Lord of all of heaven's armies, Uh, We worship you. We praise you. We invite your Holy Spirit here with great desire. We seek your face. You have promised in your word that when we seek you, we'll find you. You've also promised in your word when we ask for your Holy Spirit that you will not hold him from us. Father, I ask for the purpose of absorption, of absorbing into our hearts what you have for us this morning. And you've laid so heavy on my heart that this morning is for your remnant all over the world. You've shown me so many that listen to us that are in parts of the world that they don't have the support, they don't have the avenues that they can go to for even safety. So Lord, give us an absorption of your word this morning that it can be applied in our lives that we can know the direction in which you have called us to, the hope in which our faith now sits. We love you desperately. We are desperate for you. Father, as I asked earlier, I will ask again in public that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your words, not my own. For my own will give very little benefit. But your words are of the highest treasure. We seek them. We desire them. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and speak through me according to your will. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And I was with the Lord this morning, and he started bringing back to my mind so many things that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, but even the last few days. With so many things going on in the world, so many things going on in the U.S., it it used to be that when we talked about things going on, we would talk about things going on, you know, overseas, or, yeah, this is breaking out in Africa, this is breaking out in Europe, and, and oh, you know, this over here and that over there. Boy, it's not so much so anymore, is it? Because that war is at our doorstep. 
That war has been at our doorstep for a long time. It's just so much of the church doesn't recognize it and hasn't recognized it. But he was showing me the heart of his remnant this morning. Because really, I don't know about you, when I think of the remnant, I kind of put them into a single category. I, you know, there, there's the bride and there's the remnant of the bride. And what do I mean by that? I mean those who are absolutely sold out for Jesus Christ. They have relationship with him. Not just their ticket to heaven, not just, I know I have received Jesus Christ into my heart as Savior, and so now I will intellectually lead my life according to the principles of the Word of God, and man, I wish he'd hurry up and come so I could just be in heaven and get my mansion. That's not the remnant. The remnant are those who... As in the example in the Bible of Gideon, where they pulled the water up to their mouth so they could keep an eye out. They were few. The remnant is few. It's not all those who are saved. It's not all those who love the Lord. Don't, don't be confused that remnant are the people that love the Lord and not remnant aren't. No, the bride loves the Lord. The remnant are those who have given everything that they are to him. And have said yes in every piece of who they are. As much as they know. Because I I, I don't know that any of us can say we've given every little piece to the Lord. Otherwise we would not be learning each day. But as he shows us something, we then give it. That's the remnant. But even for those, there are different paradigms within the remnant. Lord was showing me this this morning. And, and so much of it is in regards to what's going on in the world right now and what we expect in terms of what's coming. Even what we read in the coming of the Son of God. In the remnant, you have an expectation of his coming. You have an expectation of his doing his will, of him coming even as a conqueror. But then we have different ideas of what that means. And so much of it is paradigm. I could say this because my paradigm was one and then became the other. So I've experienced them both. Many of you here do as well. Many that listen online will understand this as well. I want to say maybe two years ago, I can't remember, something like that, um, the Lord had me do a message on being a consumer versus a, what was it, contributor? Producer. Producer versus consumer. And I don't remember where that, when that was, you can look it up, but it was about being involved in God's plan for your life. Are you going to just watch it, or are you going to be involved with it? This has something to do with that, but in a way, not really. It's more the timing. The Lord gave me a phrase this morning that during worship I wrote down. He said, will you be a bystander, or will you be a participant? 
And so much of this is keyed on us reaching out to God and asking, what do you want? When I was thinking about that phrase, I was thinking about those pastors that watch us online that lead churches in really dangerous parts of the world. The areas that we're at in Nigeria, certainly, but areas in Pakistan, areas in India, where there is persecution for making that choice. Not just persecution from Satan and what he tries to come against, but physical persecution in an authority government that comes against you. But even in those areas, are you going to be a participant or are you going to be a bystander? See, it's all about faith and pressing into what the Lord wants you to do. It's not about making something up. Let me, let me make this clear right off the, off the bat, right at the get-go. It's not about you deciding what needs to happen and say, okay, well, I'm just going to do it because nobody's doing it. It's not about that. Please do not do that. That's not what this is about. Hold on, I forgot to mute my computer there. This is about seeking the Lord in what you are to do. Saying, Lord, I see this landscape. I see what's going on around me. But what do you want me to do in this? And then when you see opportunities, going to the Lord and saying, do you want me there? Sometimes in just our makeup, we automatically engage. That's how it was for me. And when was it? When, when was the anti-abortion thing? Was it Friday? Wednesday? Thursday? Wednesday. It was this, this past week. Again. It was this morning. I just came from it. No, no. Okay, Thursday? Is that when it was? Thank you. Thursday. I remember with that, my initial feeling was I was supposed to be at an auction that day and, and I was planning, I'd asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, he said, uh, no, you could go ahead and go to the auction. And, and I, I just, I, I kept thinking, okay, well, you know, I really, like, I, I want to make a difference. I want to go and I want to represent. I want to, I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I want to, I want to fight. I want to scream. I want to yell. I want to have the world see what a travesty has been going on for 50 years. That was my heart. That was my intellect of my heart, if you want to call it that. And I, I did go. And it was an incredible, incredible thing. But even when I got there... I'm, I'm wanting to do those things that I just described. I'm talking to this lady who was, I guess, one of the supporters there, or helpers, or provided the signs, whatever she was. And, you know, they had sent over, because there was a, a, board, a pro-choice rally also on the other side of the building, and they had 
they had people come over to harass us. And I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, why am I here? I want to go over to the other side. I want to go over there. I, I don't even need to speak. Let me just go over there. And in the spirit, at least, it's going to mess things up. It's going to confuse. It's going to whatever. Whatever it's going to do. I don't even have to open my mouth. Just the, just the presence of carrying the Holy Spirit will bring a wrecking to that place is what was in my mind. And, and as I'm speaking this, the Lord, the Lord so clearly said to me, it's not your time yet. Okay, well, that was kind of tough to hear. So when is my time? Aren't we all just thinking that? When is our time? Does that mean it was wrong for me to go? No, it was correct and right for me to go. Because he had me observe. So often the bride falls into, and I I mean the remnant, falls into a place of saying, I'm just going to wait this out. Because really what's, what's going to make the difference is the filling of the Holy Spirit, which every one of us are expectant of. What the Lord has promised in Joel, that, and Jesus then repeated it and promised that you'll do more than I did. Because my Spirit is going to permeate all flesh. By the way, that's not happened. We know that. It's going to happen. We all expect it to happen. We expect it any moment. But there is a part of the remnant that decides that I will go about my life and not do anything until that happens because I can't do anything without His power. And I get that. And I get it. Because I've been there. And many are there. Why in the world would I go and put myself into a situation when I don't have your power. Oh, we've cried to the Lord, don't, don't do this without giving us your power. So often, I mean, I, it, we've been crying that for seven years. And, and I feel the Lord saying in the background, Yeah, if I didn't send you until I sent my power with you, you wouldn't have been trained. You wouldn't have been prepared. Not only prepared for His glory through His Holy Spirit falling on you, because that's no small thing. I mean, in fact, we we need to even be physically ready for that. But really ready for the reactions of everything that we're to do when that happens. See, obedience is not just a deal with the Lord. Well, Lord, I'll be obedient, but I need your power. So give me your power and I'll be obedient. No, it's about obedience no matter what. What I I learned on Thursday by keeping my mouth shut, I don't think, I think, I didn't talk to anybody, did I? I mean, the Lord Lord told me I'm there as an observer, and I I think I did respond to one just, comment that irked me, but, it, but I just said thank you. So, aside from that, I think I was quiet. But let me tell you what I learned. I learned that the people 
that are manifesting demonically on the other side, that are so hateful, that are so desiring death, and don't even realize it, they're loved. They're loved by God. There was this girl that was right in front of us who was just speaking death. Saying, there, Alex said, she made a comment about God, and, and this girl said, there is no God. And I can't remember if she said, if there is, I'm going to hell, or I'm going, oh no, she said, I'm going to hell anyway. And I thought, well, if you don't believe there's a God, why do you believe there's a hell? Truth is that she's deceived. She's desperately deceived. Desperately deceived by an enemy that has brought that deception upon her. Now, yes, she's allowed it. She's stood in agreement with things in her life that have brought that on. But isn't that what we're to fight for? That's what I recognized. If I was head over heels in the fight, I would not have recognized that. Because I'm built differently. When I'm in the fight, I swing. I swing for maximum damage. (laughs) And the Lord needed me to see who the real opponent was. Even in this fight, who the real opponent is. The real opponent isn't those who are out there picketing in front of the justices' homes. They just embody the real enemy. They embody the real enemy. Now the difficult part is there is a time coming. Please understand this. There is a time coming and it may be it may be here. I, I don't know. The Lord will show it where that enemy will meld into one and there will be sad collateral damage on the other side because the Lord is not going to hold back his movement because of that anymore. But we have to realize, we have to realize who the real enemy is. And we have to realize that we have a stake in this. We have a calling in this. We're not to just sit back. You know, let me know when the Holy Spirit comes. I'll get involved. And, and I, know, I know here, I, I'm, I'm speaking to the choir in so many ways of that. But, but it is about choosing to be involved. Not, not feeling bad like, oh, okay, what more can I do? Let me choose something and, and just be involved. That's not what I mean. I'm being, I mean, where your focus is more of what the Lord wants than what you want. It is more of what the Lord wants in your path than the path you have chosen for yourself. Even if that's the path that the Lord's put you on. Whatever it is. It's that willingness to step in and be involved and fight where you could fight. We already have ways that we can fight. We all know it. One of the greatest ways he is training us and has trained us in warfare is prayer. And, and I, I don't mean this in condemnation at all. Please understand this is not about condemnation. 
Because in this entire thing that the Lord told me this morning, in, in the bystander versus, versus the, um, what was the other word? Participant. Thank you. I think I knocked it out of here too. Yeah, bystander or participant. Neither one is, it's not about being out of the Lord's will. It's not about sin. It's not about this being wrong. It's about a choice to involve. It's, it's, it's a level of involvement that he offers to those who will just say yes to anything. And we know prayer is one of those. When we get together in prayer, together unified, there's nothing more powerful. The Bible even says that. Nothing more powerful. And yet, we don't do that. It's offered. It's out there. We have two prayer, prayer calls a day. We have a Tuesday night. But my, my wondering why there's so, so many times where there are so few on the calls, my wondering is, do you really believe it makes a difference? And, and I'm being honest. Do you? Do you believe it makes a difference? Do you believe that it is a sword in the hand of Jesus Christ when we are unified and pray together? And come together in prayer over focused things. Now, if you don't believe it, I get it. I get it. But if you say you believe it, then don't be a bystander. Get involved. Recognize your voice has power when filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are speaking in unity with those who have the same feeling. It's really all about endurance. This fight, this weight. Man, it's been a long wait. I, I remember when when this when this whole thing first started and you know, eight years ago for me. I remember thinking, man, the Holy Spirit, he's fallen on me now. Oh man, how I didn't understand. I didn't understand everything that he needed to teach me. I didn't understand all the preparation that he needed me to go through. I didn't understand any of that. But through that process, I understand now. And I understand that he, his Holy Spirit can fall at any moment. And we're to be expectant of that. And we're to endure until that happens. But what does that endurance look like? Does that endurance look like... Because the Bible really shows two types of endurance. Right? We're, we're, when, I don't know about you, but when I think of endurance in the Word of God, I think of the children of Israel who were slaves in Egypt for, what was it, 430 years or something like that. I mean, that's endurance. <laughs> Having to endure what is coming against you, knowing that there's a promise out there. Right? They had the promise. They had the promise of their own land. They had a promise of their own nationality. They had a promise of God leading them into that land, and yet, over 400 years as slaves, they had to endure, they had to wait. 
How about when it's something that's not your fault at all? This one hit me hard. How about Joshua and Caleb, who were two of the spies that went out, two of the twelve that said, no, this is great. We can take it. It's exactly what God said. Let's do it. And the other ten said, no, there are giants there. They're huge. Yeah, the land is, the land is what God said. But somebody got there first. And they're really big. Imagine having to endure that 40 years that Joshua and Caleb had to endure, and Moses for that matter, that had to endure, and it wasn't even their fault. It wasn't even their choice. And then finally, 40 years later, when they were called to go into the promised land, now all of a sudden we see a different kind of endurance. Right? And I want to talk about that a little bit. But first, I, w- I, want, to, I want you to go to Romans chapter 5. Why is endurance important in the first place? Why do things take time? Man, alive. Why, why couldn't it just be that came, things come easier? Why do we have to endure things For it to get better. Well, the Bible tells us here. Romans chapter 5. Let's just start at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that. And this is where I want you to pay attention. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Wait a second, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Right away. But here's why. Because knowing that the suffering produces endurance. Literally, you do not have endurance if you do not have something you have to endure. That's what it's saying. These calamities that we're in now, this global unrest that we're in now, it's producing endurance in those who are called. And then what's the rest of that sentence? Suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Without endurance, you don't know who you are. Without trials, you don't know how you will react. Without standing in front of 40 or however many there were, pro-choice advocates yelling at you, yelling in your face, calling you names, saying disgusting things, having these signs that would make you sick. Until you've gone through that and recognized what God wants you to recognize, you haven't endured it to build the character in you to be able to deal with that fight. That's just the truth. God is having us endure so we can be prepared for the fight. And believe me, there's a fight coming. There's a fight coming. 
We're fighting even now. Do you know why he has us going to different locations right now? Do you know why we're in this garage in Elkton? Why in the world we could have... By the way, this is not because we can't go rent a space. Let me make that clear. If God said, go rent a space, go build a church, we would have done that seven years ago. Now he said, I need you to be obedient to me. Whatever I'm telling you to do, do it. There's a reason. The reason he is having us go to different places is because in that place, Right here in Elkton, where we are right now over the past couple of weeks, and over the next couple of weeks, He is cleansing this area in the Spirit. Now, you can choose to believe that or not. It doesn't matter. But it's what's happening. That's what He did in Newark. When we were at U of D, or on the, just on the other side of U of D. That's where it's going to be in the next place we go in, in June. Which he'll show us soon enough. I mean, pretty much has to show us within two weeks, right? (laughs) It's for the purpose of taking land. That land is taken in the spirit first. That battle is won in the spirit first. That's what he's doing right now. But see, if we don't see the battlefield then we don't know what he's doing. If you don't see that you are called to be on that battlefield now and you're just waiting for something, then you're missing what he's saying to you. Because he's calling us to endure, to build character. But I want to encourage you I believe he showed me the two endurances this morning for a reason because we are not to be that endurer that just waits endurance is something else as well it builds character and by the way let's just finish this this sentence here Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So it produces character. I just want to go a couple quick places first. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 says this. Therefore do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So there's a cost if we don't endure. There's a cost. He said, 
My righteous one shall live by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? It means to press forward when you're believing something the Lord has said, but you haven't seen it yet. Faith in something we've seen is not faith. Right? Faith is in something, as Hebrews 11.1 says, it's in, in something that we can't see. It's in something the Lord has said. We believe it. We know it. We, it just resides right here. And so when we step in that faith, God is pleased and He moves us forward. But if we shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in Him. In other words, He can't and won't use us. I want to give two examples, three examples, of the first kind of endurance where you're just waiting. You're just living. You're just, you know, I want to keep my eyes focused on you, but I'm I'm just going to kind of sit and wait until your power comes to me. The first is what's promised in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, the church of Philadelphia Let's, uh, let's just start at verse 9, because I can't be in this chapter without reading verse 9. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, which by the way, this is what he's doing right now. I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. But here's the key, verse 10. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance... You have endured. You have kept the faith. You have stayed steadfast in going after Him. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Hey guys, for 40 years, I believe this was talking about the tribulation. Because my eyes didn't see any differently. But it's not. And I don't know why in the world I didn't figure it out then. Because these letters are not written to Israel. These letters are written to the church. And the church will be gone with the rapture before the end time tribulation. So what he's saying is there is a time coming when the world is going to be in chaos. When there's going to be things coming against my bride trying to stomp out what God is doing. There's a time coming. Well, guess what? It's here. It's here. Watch what's ramping up now. Look at what's going on in the news. It's it's not going to get lighter, just so you know. I mean, that's not even a prophetic word. That's an obvious word. (laughs) That's, That's in the Word of God word. Right? It's going to ramp up. It is ramping up, even now. I mean, the saddest part to me when we went last Thursday is at the pro-choice rally, there had to be four or five times more people. Easily. Good night. Probably more than that. I, I'm going to say there were maybe 50 of us, would you say? 40 of us? 25 to 30? Okay, not only can I not tell time... <laughs> 
I would say there were easily a few hundred at, at the pro-choice rally. I mean, they had more at our rally than we had. They had at least 40 or 50, I would say, that were coming against us there, there toward the end. So much so, the police all had to come and tell them to kind of give us some space. But where were the Christians? I'm not going to say because it wasn't people willing to go. Honestly, I'm going to say because people that are willing to lead are afraid. One of the leaders that I spoke with, it's, and it wasn't the two that actually were leading the whole thing. It's, it was a lady who leads these things all over the state of Delaware. And I was just telling her, hey, hey, let's, we ought to get a couple of people. Let's go over to the other side and just not say anything. Let's just hold up our, our signs. And she said, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't do that because we need to show we're different. We need to show the love of God. And I'm thinking in my mind, how about if we show that baby who's been sacrificed the love of God? How about if we do that? Those people can choose to accept it or not. They have a choice. That little baby has no choice. Never did. So it was in the leadership of that and, and, and forgive me, the word that the Lord keeps bringing to my mind is feckless. They had no gumption within themselves to fight. And yet, we're being called to fight. Now, I'm, guys, I'm not talking about, you know, hey, let's bring billy clubs to the next meeting. I'm not talking about in the physical at all. We're not that strong in the physical, not compared to the spirit. But I'll tell you what, if, if a group of us filled with the Holy Spirit walked into the middle of that group, what do you think would happen? I mean, you would think in your mind, well, oh no, we're going to get beat up and everything else. Why? Jesus didn't. that was the Lord's will, certainly. But if he, if he sent you there, it is to take that ground. It is to fight in the Spirit because just like Elijah, I think it was Elijah, said to his, his scribe, he said, open his eyes, Lord, so he could see what's around us. Recognize the real fight that's going on. But again, we're back to endurance. And, and what I was saying is, Jesus was promising those in the church of Philadelphia that they would be protected from that hour of trial that was coming. Next one in there, too, here, is Revelation chapter 2. Just go back a, a chapter. And this is the church of Ephesus, verse 2. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, 
and you've not grown weary. You are enduring knowing who you are in Christ. This was on the report card for, for this church, the church in Ephesus. This was the good part of the report card. But there was a bad part. What was the bad part? But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. What is that? What is the first part of love that they might have abandoned? Because wait a second, they're enduring. They're, they're patiently believing. They're, they're following Christ and, and they're just waiting. And, and that's good. God said it was good. Jesus said, yes. Thank you. You're doing that. But you've lost your first love. What is that? That's passion. That's the passion. When you first fall in love, when you first are understanding, and I'll just use this as, a, as an example, when you are first learning who Jesus Christ is, and it's like, wow, relationship with Him? Are you kidding me? I can have a relationship with my own Creator, with the God of the universe. There's a passion that explodes in you when you really understand that. When you know that. When you know it in your heart. There's a passion that explodes in you. It can't not explode. And you can't contain it. You know how it gets contained? When you endure without involvement. When you get beat up. And when you're in the corner like this and you're just, all you can do is block the punches. Oh man, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not even endurance strategically. God wants us to be strategic in our endurance. You know, go for that. I want to switch. Here for a second. And by the way, there was one more church of Thyatira. They endured and, and they got that, that good thing. They, they're also in the next few verses in chapter 2. But then they allowed sin into their camp. They allowed Jezebel. So, so that's kind of the along the same lines. They endured, but then their eyes fell off of what it was supposed to be on. But I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. Because endurance is to be strategic. I want you to think of one of my least favorite things that I did in my career of sports when I was younger was track. I mean, I did it. Pretty much because it got me ready for football. That's the only reason I did it. But the thing that I hated the most was long distance running. Right? You guys understand that, right? It's like, go out and run five miles. Go out and run three miles. All for the purpose of timing timing that one mile. I remember when we had our freshman year football tryouts in college where they tested, they timed and tested everything. And, and I remember that was the day all summer I worked for, worked hard for. And in, in my position, 
I, I knew at, at that time in my life, I wasn't going to stand out to the coaches in strength. Because I had, I mean, I was strong, but I had grown, I think, so many inches very quickly, and I was like a beanpole. <laughs> okay? But where I could stand out was in endurance. And I remember everything that I did worked up to that one mile test. And worked hard in the spring and in the summer when it came down to August and we had that test. This is in Virginia in August. On this little island in Lynchburg that they called hell. (laughs) Which is pretty much what it felt like. Right? Only one way on and one way off. This old rickety bridge and they wouldn't let you go through. Like when you're on, you're stuck. So we're in, I don't know, 90, upper 90 degree weather and we're, we're about to start this thing and, and it's four laps. And I'm running probably against, uh, I don't know, there were maybe 30 of us at that point. Because uh, it wasn't the whole team. They, they would split it up the line and whatever. And I thought, I've got to get in the top ten for them to even notice me. And so when we start out, I started out slower, and I was probably toward the back. And then about the second lap, I started to move up and was moving into the front pack. By the time it was all over, the only one who beat me was one of their number one drafts from high school, if you want to call it that, full, full, full ride scholarship, and I literally ended right behind him. And our time was just a little over five minutes. The endurance was strategic. If I had started out heavy, I wouldn't have been able to endure. I still would have finished, but I wouldn't have been able to endure and finish with the power that was necessary to finish with. I had to be strategic in what I was doing. Same thing with Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, and let's just read this. We're really getting down, I want to get toward the end, but I want to start at verse 1. Because you you guys know the situation here. Moses had had passed. The Lord took Moses. And now it was time for the children of Israel after those 40 years to now move into, cross the Jordan, and move into the promised land. Which, by the way, let me just add a little cool thing here. Do you know that they did that? They moved into their promised land in the month of Nisan. Now that may not mean anything to you. But the month of Nisan is is when God would always propel movement in his people. Guess what month we're in right now? The month of Nisan. The Jewish month of Nisan. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Kind of interesting. Let's just read from the beginning. This is where, where God sets Joshua aside before they're about to go in. And he encourages him. After the death of Moses, servant of the Lord, Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. 
Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness that this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now, recognize what he's saying to him here. He's encouraging him. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, I want to add some flavor to this. Joshua was 80 years old. Or, no, sorry. He was 80 when it was... Yeah. No, that was Moses. He was 20. He's about 60, 65. Is that right? Anybody in here know? <laughs> He's at least 65. He's... Yes, that's not old. Okay, who said that? But recognize he is not a 25-year-old man like he was 40 years prior. Right? And I'm pretty sure he was 40 then. Lex, why don't you look it up and let me know. Anyways, he, he is an older man. He said, no man will stand before you and be able to stand in your way. Nothing will stop you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not, not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit, inherit the land that I swore to give, the, give their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Now, don't right away write this off because, oh, well, we're not under the law anymore. This doesn't really apply to us because we're not under the law. Do you understand we're under something way greater than that? That's what Paul said in Hebrews. He said, if, if one covenant was covered by another covenant, the new covenant is greater than the first. We're under a greater covenant. We're under the covenant of Jesus Christ's blood of relationship with Him. So don't think that because of that, it doesn't apply. It applies even greater now. Even to us, He is saying, I have this land for you, my bride, my remnant. This world that I've already paid for 2,000 years ago. I have it for you. It's yours. But you got to follow me right. you got to stay on that path of relationship with me so I can speak and you hear me. And you know what to do. He's saying the same thing to us that he was saying to him then. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left. That you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law, or I'm going to replace there, this relationship with Jesus Christ shall not depart from you. But you shall meditate on it. Spend time with Him day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So we hear His voice. So we walk in obedience to His voice. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? 
Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Or that word there is discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Why? Why would he warn him not to be tired, not to be discouraged, not to be afraid? If God didn't know those things were coming. What he's saying here is you need endurance. But it's not an endurance where you just sit on this side of the Jordan and wait until I kill everybody and then I'll have you go into the promised land. It's a different endurance. It's an endurance of faith. It's an endurance of strategic walking in what he has. You know, one one of my favorite things when I was younger was to watch Muhammad Ali box. If you're familiar with that, it was really quite a treat to watch how he would do it. He would strategically endure those first few rounds. Get in a few licks here and there, but he'd take the hits. And then later, he would start to have this energy come out that, where in the world did that come from? It's because it was strategic in his endurance to bring that on when his opponent couldn't. That's what God's doing with the remnant right now. Trust me when I say this. Satan is expending all of his capabilities. And not just him, but his followers. I think I said this last week or the week before. They think it's their time. They really believe it's their time of the Antichrist. They really believe it. So they're putting everything that they can into it. That's why CERN, which I I think I mentioned last week, that's why it was fired back up in April. Because they believe. By the way, how, how sickening is this? Satanists use the Word of God honestly more than so many in the bride. And they believe it. They just don't believe the part where they have to give up their own life. They, by choice, choose a different God. But they believe in Revelation chapter 9, where it says there's a portal that's going to be opened from the abyss that will let out all these demonic spirits. They believe that. By the way, so do I. So do we. But they believe it. They just believe the timing is now. That's what CERN is. Just, just go do some research. Go do some research on what CERN is and what it does. Go look at its dedication ceremony. You want to blow your mind? You want to blow your mind? Go research the dedication ceremony for CERN in Switzerland and watch it. Oh my goodness. (laughs) You can't make this up. There's a guy with this goat's head that's that's dancing around and doing all this ceremonial stuff. While on the screen, I'm I'm not going to take the time to explain. Just go, look it up. If you think CERN is a scientific endeavor, you're nuts. 
You're missing it. You're totally missing it. This is Satan expending everything he has to. This is his people expending all that they have. And God is allowing it because it is for the purpose of their loss. They will lose. But we have to endure. We can't be afraid. We can't be discouraged. We have to understand that we're in this fight. Imagine Muhammad Ali in the, in the corner in, in the ropes and he's like this, just getting beat on. Do you think that didn't hurt? I'm sure it hurt. But the whole time he's just doing this, knowing good and well that he has a plan. He has a plan that when that guy's arms are tired, so tired so much that he can't lift his defenses anymore, then Muhammad Ali went to work. Because, see, he wasn't tired. He had strategically waited for the right time. Understand, that's what God's showing us right now. But it's, it isn't, the, the confusion isn't that that right time is when the Holy Spirit falls on us. We're to be obedient in the moment. God will send His Holy Spirit to fall in a power that we've never seen before. He's promised that. We believe it. It is coming. We're not supposed to be waiting for it. We're supposed to be desiring it. We're supposed to be pouring all faith into it. But if you're just kind of going about your life thinking, you know, I can't wait for that to happen so my life will change and I'll get in this fight. Guess what? You're supposed to be in the fight now. Sitting in the ropes with your arms up getting beaten on, that's in the fight. Going to that rally on Thursday, having people yell and spit on us when we don't say a word back to them, that was in the fight. Being on the prayer calls in unity with each other, saying, Lord, come and do your will here. Show your timing. Don't let the enemy take any more than he is allowed in this fight. Teach us when to spring into action from that defensive position into that offensive position. See, if, if you're not coming together on the prayer calls for that purpose in unity together, then I, I just want to encourage you to do so. Because that is the fight. That is the fight. Yes, you're sitting in your living room or where your bedroom on the phone with other people. But don't think for a second that's not the fight. That is one of the greatest areas of fight that the Lord's given us right now. And there is a time coming where we're in the people's faces and we're taking their hits. Oh man, but there's also a time coming where their arms get tired and they can't hit anymore. 
And then you can reach out and say, look, this hasn't been working for you. But let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what relationship with him is all about. And the Lord has told me some of the most amazing transformations of a life will be those kinds of people. Especially witches. There was a group there. This guy had had on this pentagram and everything else. And I'm just thinking, man, if you only knew my Savior. If you only knew the things you seek are found in Him. The desire to be accepted. The desire to feel like you're a part of something. There was this one girl there. It just broke my heart. There, there's the one all boisterous and everything else, and she had like this sidekick girl. Wouldn't open her mouth to save her life. Was scared to death to be there, you could tell. Even worse, standing in front of us. And all I could see on her was, I just want to be accepted. It's heartbreaking. So yeah, for her, I'll take the hits. I could take the hits. Spit cleans off. Words, whatever. But God is going to reach those people. Some maybe not. But they'll be the ones that God hits back. It's not always going to be on the ropes in the corner getting hit. In fact, that strategy is coming full circle because his bride's been there for a while. But remember, it is God's strategy. This endurance is strategic, not just hopeless. Alexa, come on up. what 
she should just jump into. She really needed, and of course my reaction was, well, go before the Lord. He will tell you exactly what to do. See, because that intimate walk with the Lord will teach us what to jump into and what to maybe hold back in. That was how Greg knew to go, but also be silent. It's like he, he held him back, but he sent him at the same time, because he wasn't even planning to go to the rally. And so learning the Lord's voice, um, and, and the more recent example that I've seen, and I know um, Wendy's not with us today, she's traveling to bring her mother home, but, but when, when Wendy and Bryn, just out of the box of anything normal for them, when we heard about that, that satanic conference in Arizona, and there was this, this urgency that, okay, I need to go. And in moments, they had to hear from the Lord and act on it. Those are examples of being in, in a tight walk with the Lord and hearing his voice and letting him direct you, but then being willing to not put parameters on something because you've never heard him ask you to do that before. That's, I think, what he really, really wants is for us to just listen and then go or listen and stay when we see a need and we're compelled. Um, without the justifications and without even thinking about the human parameters, because right now people would think, well, what could I do? Or, and it's so good when he said waiting for the power. Um, I hope that we won't do that. I do want to say, though, having being at this rally, one of the things that um, the Lord highlighted to me, I, I was, first of all, very surprised that he even gave me the desire to go. Um, but when, when I went... I was shocked at how much love he gave me for the people. And, and one of the paradigms that, um, that he reinforced in me was, yes, I'm here to stand for life. I'm here to, you know, to stand up. But, but really, the real issue is, do you know there's a God that gives life, who created you, and who loves you? And it was great to see when Rich came um, I mean, just to see, he just, <laughs> he would meet people, and after maybe a sentence of niceties, it was just right to who Jesus is to you. Like, that was the only thing. He was just going right to, you know, well, do you know Jesus? So tell me about Jesus. What do you know about Jesus? And that was really, really cool, and I, it, it was very interesting to observe how the Lord was guiding each of us that were there, because everybody was equipped with um with something that was on our hearts to uh, to engage or to stand firm in or to pray. At one point, I, a couple feet behind me, I just heard this soft, melodic sound, and the Lord had Brooke just worshiping. Um, I had a compelling, and we were speaking with Shannon about the fact, man, why can't we just start singing and start worshiping? And then I found out that there was this noise restriction on the groups for being allowed to be there. But, but Brooke just thought, I'm still going to worship. I'm going to worship softly. She knew that God was saying to worship, especially when we were faced with these people and some of their, their vile language. But, um, but it was the saddest thing that I saw is that even the people on the side of choosing right um, from various churches and different denominations and, and religions that came but were standing for life, um, there wasn't really a unity that I, I noticed right away. There wasn't really a unity of spirit in some of them because one of the women, the first time I engaged, one of the women, the one that he spoke of, when she was speaking to some of the, to, a, to a woman from the other side, a young girl that was willing to engage and ask questions, and 
she, the girl made a comment. She said, "She said, well, I mean, you guys just think that, you know, I mean, it's not like this is murder." And the woman, the woman on our side that was standing there and part partaking in the organization of this, she goes, "Oh, no, no, no! I, I now I'm not saying that that abortion is murder," and began to backpedal and made it a political argument. And I just thought, okay, Lord, what do you want from me right now? Because it, it's like, it, from turning the outward obvious disagreements, I thought, boy, I want to turn and now deal with this. Don't stand on my side and then not stand for the fact that that's murder. And so, so I, just, uh, I just stood for a while, listened to the debate, and you know, she got into a choice, and it's my choice, and it's my body. And, and I just interjected, you know, there's a God that loves you and created you, and it's none of our choices to take life or to give life. That is for God alone. She just looked over at me and said, well, I'm just not sure that I, I'm not sure that I even agree with that. Oh, it was a, it was true. I've never seen it just was a God bomb that right there just shut the whole conversation down. But the sad thing was, is it actually agitated this woman, and she walked away and was very irritated that, um, that that conversation, and I knew in the spirit, I thought, she is agitated that this conversation turns spiritual away from the political. And right then, I just knew in my heart, I thought, Lord, the one thing I want everybody to know, I am not here for a political stance. I am here because you are the God of the universe, and we will not have this kind of death, satanic worship fueling the enemy camp. It's really important to know the, the solid place, and, and I only want to just reiterate when Greg got fired up, because that's really the core of everything, is that when you know that you have a relationship with the Most High God, and He actually wants that from us, everything flows out of that. What God wants you to do, where He wants you involved, and when we begin to step out, Yes, there may be physical battles. Yes, there may be um, various things that will come against us. And, and he certainly has engaged in We've engaged in that in Nigeria. We, he's told you the story many times of the girl that literally, she was a tiny little thing, so it didn't have a great impact. But she went from 20 feet away and went full force running to try to tackle Greg, fully demonically possessed. And so sometimes you encounter those things. It doesn't mean that the Lord won't have us engage in those things. But do we know of the rock upon which we stand? Are, are we discerning the spirits? Are we seeing the Ephesians 6.12, but the entire chapter of what the armor of God even means? Because it's not just going to be at these rallies. If you think that that's really not your thing, and well, I don't know that I'm called to that. And first of all, always identify any spirit of intimidation that may be on you. But the real truth is, you don't have to go to a rally. You could go to the Wawa while you're getting your coffee. Somebody will get up in your face. It has only just begun. Once the decision is made, it will be overturned. The Lord has said it. There will be um, an overturning and and a a victory uh, against abortion in this nation because God is bringing this nation back to one nation under God. With that, there will be uprisings everywhere of the enemy. And I only want to close with this. You know... The enemy screams the loudest when he knows he's losing. And the the remnant is rising. And there is a stirring in our spirit. I was at 
uh, a store in Pennsylvania, in Oxford, in Oxford the other day. And this woman with two children, um, just this real sweet mother that was in there, and, and she was standing in line, and it, the lady's cart in front of her was just too long, and there was another another aisle that, or another um, cashier that opened up, so she moved to the side. Well, her daughter, her young son was in the cart, and her daughter was about four years old. She just didn't want to leave that line. And so she just, when the mom said, come on, come on, we're going to go over on this side, the, one, the girl just, <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden, blood-curdling screams in the entire store. She just had an absolute meltdown because she wanted to be in the line that she was in, and she didn't want to follow her mom to another line. And the mom was very sweet about it and came over, and, no, honey, it's fine, it's fine. But, I mean, she just went crazy. And the Lord brought that story back to me. When he said that line, the enemy screams the loudest when he's losing. You know, we are rising. God's people are rising. And we're saying, no, you're not going to do this. And he is having a tantrum. And it is a scream. It is a, an absolute, I mean, it's, it's not good enough for there to be just a disagreement. That doesn't even exist anymore. It's not an agree to disagree. There is no agreement. There is a line cut in the sand. And the side that is given authorities over to the enemy are having an absolute meltdown tantrum. And you can see it in their faces. And God loves them. And so you're dealing with things that you have to be flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because there's a holy, righteous anger against the demonic, but then a love for the people. And, um, and I'll tell you, the only thing God had me say at this rally was, God loves you. Don't you know that you are loved? And this one girl that was holding the sign and, and cursing. And, and I'm telling you, I said, you... I leaned and I said, you are loved. I said, God loves you. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. This is a blank show. and this, this, Everything's terrible. I, you know, I'm, I mean, she just, she was stating her reality. But then when I said it again, she literally backed up and kind of turned her sign and, turned, and put her head down. And you could just see the force of the Holy Spirit coming against her. She was having a hard time even receiving it. Kind of like, I can't, I can't even receive that this could be true. And it really, I, I literally thought about her nonstop. Because in that moment, God showed me she wants to believe that. But she's in so deep with the enemy, with her gang, with her people. She's all, you know, got all the garb and the tattoos and the whole bit that's kind of assigned her to the enemy camp. And we are here as representatives of Jesus to set the captives free. Yes, they are accountable and yes, they make their own choices. But we can offer the truth, because when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And so whenever there's an opportunity to show love and the way and the truth and the life, it will make a huge impact. So whatever that looks like, no passivity. We've got to engage. We've got to engage in the spirit, and we've got to engage in this realm as the Lord directs us. So ask him. Say, Lord, am I putting any limitations on where you might send me? Because don't base it on your desires. Don't base it on whether you can handle it, or if it's too hot, or if it's going to rain. Or Don't base it on any of your desires. Base it on, Lord, where do you want me? Here am I, send me. You know my limitations. You know what I've been dealing with. And let me tell you, that's what I said to him before I went. I have not been feeling well. I've been dealing with all kinds of issues. And I just said, Lord, if you want me to go, then it has got to be your strength in my weakness. And in that particular case, he said, go. So only you know what the Lord is telling you to do. Don't follow others. Follow him alone, but be engaged. Father, thank you, God, so much for this word today. Thank you for just how awesome you are that you will equip us 
when you send us. You will fill us. Oh God, I praise you. I cannot even, I can't even count the times, Father, that you have put words in my mouth when I didn't think I even had the capacity to pray on the prayer call. When my flesh didn't even want to and I was a little bit perturbed that, oh my word, it's already prayer call again and I'm in the middle of something. I, God, I just, I thank you for peace when I've not been able to be on the prayer call because there was no condemnation. But I, I thank you, God, that when you compelled me to be on it when I didn't want to, you filled my mouth. And actually, the prayer you prayed through me encouraged me. God, you are so good. Thank you for teaching us that you are our strength in our weakness. And God, we need you. We need you now more than ever before. Help us to be willing to rise up, to stand firm, to endure. God, because of the great reward, we are here for but a vapor of a time. Do you not deserve every moment, every tiny bit of the mist of that vapor? God, yes, you do. You are worthy. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our lives. You are worthy of our focus. And God, you know our needs. You know what what will fulfill us. You know what will bring us joy. You love to give good gifts to your children. So I just praise you, God. Help us to be overcomers. Thank you that we are, by the blood of the Lamb, as I prayed last week, by the word of our testimony. Help us to keep speaking out. But then, God, let us lay our lives down to your ways and your ways only. That's heavy, but it's, it's given to a God who intricately loves us and knows exactly how to take care of us. And, God, I lastly just praise you for how you wrapped your arms around me during worship. That I needed it so much. You know sometimes we will stand no matter what we say that, but then there are times when we just need a Holy Spirit hug. You are so good. You are, you are always there, whether we feel it or not. But thank you when you manifest your presence to us. I just worship you and I praise you. Take this word. God, take this word and let it charge our spirits, our minds, our bodies, and fuel us to just... Seeking your face with what you would have us do. Because now is the time for your people to rise up and be the light that Isaiah 60 talks about to this dark, dark world. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.